Welcome to Christian Medical and Dental Association's Chapel. We trust this message will encourage your walk with the Lord. Let me share a passage that uh, you perhaps have in your memory bank. I've had it in mind for a long, long time because I've had to lean on it so often. And it's Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Again, you're familiar with that. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And here it is. And the God of peace shall be with you. Verse 7 speaks of the peace of God being in you. And verse 9 speaks of the peace of God being or the God of peace being with you. It was originally called Camp Sumter. We know it by the name Andersonville. During the Civil War, it was the largest military prison in the South. It covered 26 and a half acres. It was built to house 10,000 prisoners, but usually it held up to 32,000 prisoners prisoners. During a 14-month stint, some 13,000 Union soldiers died there. Not from rifle fire, not from military bombardment, but from malnutrition, from disease, from exposure to the elements of weather. Their meal consisted mainly of of cornmeal with the cobs as part of the meal. That was pretty much all they had. Sweetwater Creek ran down the middle of the grounds, but it was anything but sweet water. Uh, They used it for everything, for bathing. They used it to drink from. They even used it for their bathroom facility. It was nothing more than a sewage dump. John Ransom, a Michigan Calvaryman, kept a diary of his time as a prisoner at Andersonville, And he summed it up well in these words. The air reeks with nastiness. I can't imagine having been a POW at Andersonville. Nor could I imagine being a POW at any time in our nation's history. But seated here today and perhaps watching are some POWs. Not prison war but prisoners of worry. Some of you right now have around your ankles some shackles. And you're unable to make any real progress in your walk with God because you're constantly worrying. Others of us are wearing fetters upon our wrists. And those fetters are weighing us down because we're trying to carry things God did not tend for us to carry. And like those men at Andersonville, some of us 
are terribly malnourished spiritually. Because we're allowing things to eat away at us rather than giving them to God. The truth is some of us have not had a good night's rest in a long time. And even our days are clouded because of constant worry. Would you not like to be set free? Would you not like to see those fetters and those shackles finally broken on your life? Well, today they can be. Because in the passage I just quoted, Paul gives to us the keys that are key to unlocking us from those prisons of worry in which some of us find ourselves bound. I want us to think on this thought. A POW walks free. And here's my prayer today. That when you leave this chapel service in a matter of minutes, that the shackles and the fetters will have fallen off and you will walk out those doors free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Well, how do we do it? Three things from that text I want you to see. Number one, the commandment which prohibits us from worrying. It's interesting to me how that passage begins with a specific commandment by Paul, inspired by the Spirit, be careful for nothing. Now that is not one of the Ten Commandments, but it is no less a commandment from God through the hand of His Apostle Paul. And it's a commandment not only to the Christians in Philippi in that day, but it's a commandment to all of us. God commands us to be careful for nothing. Whenever God in this blessed book gives to us a commandment that prohibits a certain behavior, thou shalt not, it's not that God's trying to be a joy killer. No, it's that God's trying to be a joy giver. And God knows that when you and I break commandments where He prohibits certain behaviors in our lives, He knows if we do those things He commands us not to do, they're going to end up destroying us. And I'm here to tell you that worry is a sin. It's the sin of unbelief. It is a sin against Almighty God. And because it is one of those sins of the Spirit, we often treat it lightly. As if everybody does it, it's no big deal, but I'm here to tell you, it is terribly destructive in your walk with God. Now let's look at that commandment a little closer. Be careful, it begins. That word in the Greek literally means to be drawn in different directions. It's allowing your mind to be this way and that way and this way and that way. I love Isaiah 26.3. God will keep me in perfect peace when my mind is stayed on Him because I'm trusting in Him. And here is God, here's what God wants in our lives. He wants us to be single-minded, single-focused. He wants us to seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at His right hand. He wants us to set our affections on things above, not on things on earth. And as long as we are single-minded 
and Christ is the center, the focus of our thinking, we enjoy the peace of God that passeth all understanding. But as soon as I allow my mind to wonder, to go from here to here, that peace takes flight from my heart and all of a sudden I find myself in a state of panic. And I would say there are those here today listening as well. Your mind right now is going in a thousand directions. You're worried over this. You're anxious about that. You're fretting over this. You, my friend, are what I have been at times. A POW. It reminds me of a story I read of a boy who went to the grocery store one day, walked in, a little fellow, and he asked to see the manager. And the manager was brought out. He said, son, how can I help you? He said, do you all sell does detergent? He said, we do, but could I ask what you need it for? He said, well, I, I'm going to give my, my cat a bath. He said, well, you, you may not want to use does detergent. He said, oh, it'll be okay. Well, he bought the does detergent, went home. A few days later, he came back into the grocery store. The manager saw him and he said, hey, how's your cat doing? Oh, he died. He said, I told you you should not use that does detergent on your cat. He said, it wasn't the soap that got him, it was the spin cycle. <laughs> Do you know where some of us are right now? If we would be honest, we are in the spin cycle. Our mind is going like this and we are so worried and it's killing us. Paul says, as a command from God, be careful. Don't let your mind go in a thousand directions. Keep it single focused. And then he says, be careful for nothing. And we read that and we think, is God really telling me that I'm to worry about nothing? He is. And maybe you're thinking, Scott, is that even a reality? It is. God wants you, He wants me to live a worry-free life. And as someone well said, His commandments are His enablements. God would not command me to be careful for nothing if He knew I could not do it. But I can through the power of the indwelling Spirit and by the power of the Word of God. So here we have it, this commandment which prohibits us from worrying. Secondly, let's think about the communion which prevents us from worrying. The communion with Christ which prevents us from worrying. I love that family that resided in that little hamlet outside of Jerusalem called Bethany. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Jesus often frequented their home. They were dear friends. And on one occasion when he went into their home, Mary immediately took her place at his feet and began hearing his word. Look at her looking into the face of God himself. Single focused. She's cool. She's calm. She's collected at perfect peace. Her sister Martha, on the other hand, is in the spin cycle. She's running around the house like a chicken with its head cut off, worrying about this, hurrying to get that done, rushing to get that thing done. Finally, 
She explodes. And in anger demands that Jesus tell Mary to come and help her. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful. There's the word. Your mind's being pulled, Martha, this way and that way. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part. Do you want to live a worry-free life? Here it is. You've got to be a worshiper. You've got to be a son, a daughter of God who daily takes your place in private to enjoy aloneness with the Almighty where the two of you behind closed doors sup with one another. And when we are having that time of communion as we ought, it keeps our mind single focused. And when we're single focused, God in turn gives to us that perfect calm no matter what our circumstances are. The problem with many of us is we spend too much time on our feet in the kitchen and too little time in the prayer closet on our knees. And when we are not communing as Mary did, we're going to be complaining like Martha did. And Paul in this passage tells us what we need to do when we come to that time of private communion with God. Number one, give Jesus your troubles. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Somebody said it well. We're to worry about nothing. We're to pray about everything. God wants you to talk to Him about everything. You say, Scott, even the small issues on my plate, everything is small to God. He's an omnipotent, all-powerful God. But God is interested in whatever is on your heart and He wants you to tell Him about it. In fact, He wants you to do what 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares, all your anxieties on Him because that's how much He cares for you. Back in 19 and 16, Pastor Charles Tinley was calling upon a parishioner who was worrying himself sick. And after they visited a while, he, in his wisdom, said, Now here's what you need to do. You need to put all of your troubles in a sack. Take them to the Lord and leave them there. When Pastor Tinley got back home, he kept thinking of what he told that man he needed to do. And he sat down and wrote this wonderful hymn. Leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Do you know what we need to do this morning? All of those troubles we're worrying ourselves sick over, we need to put in a prayer sack. And we need to drop them on the floor of this chapel at the feet of Jesus. And leave them there. God did not build you to carry what you're trying to carry. 
As Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord and He shall sustain thee. So number one, give Jesus your troubles. Number two, give Jesus your thanks. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Here it is, with thanksgiving. God loves it when His children go to their prayer closet and they spend a lot of time when they pray giving Him thanks. I try to do that every morning as I go to the prayer closet. After spending time in worship, I will then go to my season of just thanking God. You're looking at the most blessed man on earth. God has been so good to me in spite of me. In spite of me. And I love to go into the prayer closet and having worship just to spend some time blessing the Lord for how He has blessed me and how He daily loads me and you with benefits. And here's what I have found, Bert. I may go to my prayer closet weighed down with things that we all experience in day-to-day life. And when I begin to praise the Lord and I focus on the majesty and the might of this wonderful God to whom I'm now communing and supping through His Son Jesus, it seems like things grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. For example, you lose your job. And there's the tendency to worry yourself sick. What are we going to do? How are we going to pay the bills? What will we eat? How will we clothe the kids? Yada, yada, yada. We can allow our stomachs to get tied up in knots. But if in that time of loss we don't look this way, but we keep our focus this way and we begin to Bless the Lord for how He's taken care of us all of these years. Surely you're going to continue to take care of me now, aren't you? And Lord, you're seated where you've always been on the throne as sovereign God. And you have appointed me to travel this way at this time. And so I'm going to thank you. And all of a sudden, as you thank Him in the midst of your trial, that peace of God overfloods your soul. Paul and Silas did it, didn't they? Arrested for preaching the gospel. Beaten. Thrown into jail with their backs still freshly bleeding. Their hands and and, and their feet placed in the stocks. It's midnight. And they begin to complain. They begin to throw a pity party. At midnight. As they prayed and sang praises to God. God moved. And you may feel that you're at your midnight crisis. It's time to praise Him. Give Jesus your thanks. Give Jesus your troubles. Number three, give Jesus your thoughts. Philippians 4.8, He told us what we need to think on, didn't He? And when you look at that list in Philippians 4.8, do you know what it is describing Jesus, the life of Jesus on earth, the mind of Christ. You're not necessarily what you eat, 
but you are what you think. As a man thinks in his heart, Proverbs 23, 7, so is he. And listen, friend, if you're constantly thinking on the bad, the negative, how, how bad things are in your life, if you're constantly dwelling on, on that which is not of God, you think on that, that's where you're going to live. And what I have learned is, and this is why I try to memorize a verse a day, you fill your mind with this. This is honest and true and just and pure and lovely and of a good report. This is praiseworthy and, and, and virtuous. This, my friend, is the mind of God in written form. It's not all of His mind, but it's what part of His mind He wanted us to have in written form. The blessed Word of God. And man, when you fill your mind with this book, it'll keep you calm in stormy times. Time's about to go, so let's go to the third point. And that is the companion which prohibits us, excuse me, which protects us from worrying. Verse 7 sums it up. And the peace of God, which is absolutely indescribable, it passes all understanding, shall keep, shall guard your hearts, your minds, like a military garrison set up around your heart to keep worry and fretting and anxiety away. And that's exactly what happens. When you and I go to our prayer closets each morning and we give Him our troubles and we give Him our thanks and we give Him our thoughts, He gives to us in return His peace and it stands on guard around our hearts all day and when situations arise during the day that would tempt us to worry, the peace of God drives them away. And we live with a peace that is so unbelievably wonderful, it can only come from the God of peace. When Billy Graham was a much younger man, he had the joy of ministering to our troops in Korea. And he worked alongside the chaplains during the Korean War. And the chaplain told him the story of a young man who needed the chaplaincy service. And so this chaplain was assigned. He was on Heartbreak Ridge and was about to die. So this chaplain made his way up the dangerous ridge, finally found this young man covered with blood on his deathbed. But he seemed so calm. He said, son, is there anything you, I can do for you? He said, no, it's okay. Every, everything's okay. And as he looked at this dying young man who was at perfect peace, he saw where his peace was coming from. That young man had in his bloodied right hand an open New Testament. It was open to John chapter 14. And one of the fingers from the other hand was resting on verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, 
give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And in a matter of moments, the young man graduated to glory with perfect peace. I don't know where you are this morning, but I know where I am some mornings, fretting myself away. I hate it when I worry. God doesn't like it either. And maybe you are prone to worry. Lord, I feel it. It's time to be freed. You don't need to spend another hour worrying yourself sick. It's getting you nowhere. And it's hurting you big time physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. There's nothing good in worry. It's a monster. God wants to set you free. Let's pray together. I do believe the Lord has spoken through His Word. And here's why I know He has. All of us are prone to worry. Someone has well said that you can find the command, fear not, 365 times in the Bible, one for every day of the year. We're prone to become afraid, aren't we? We're prone to worry. And today, God wants to set you free. And you can leave this chapel service free at last. Free at last. Why not right now, right now? Take all of those troubles that's got you tied up in knots. Take all of those troubles right now. Put them in a prayer sack. Bundle them up right now. Drop them at the feet, the nail-scarred feet of Jesus. And say, Jesus, I'm giving these to you. If you carried the weight of the world on your shoulders, surely you can carry this too. Give it to Jesus and leave it there. Leave it there. He'll take care of it. Lord, thank you for Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Your remedy for worry. Your antidote for anxiety. And God, I pray we will take the medicine by faith. And we will do what we're commanded in Scripture to do. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And be thankful in every situation of life. And your peace will stand on guard at our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.